Welcome to the Boys in the Iceberg, the podcast where we recap Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode for fans new and old. I'm your host, John Listman, immigration attorney by day, stand-up comic by night, airbender at heart, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm Jeff Miller, TV writer, avid mind wanderer, and aspiring waterbender. Our guest host of the day uh, Marcus Cardona. How's it going, Marcus? Woo! I'm very good, man. Just a sunny day. I was drinking iced coffee and ready to talk some Avatar. Oh, am I? Let's get oh, yeah. it. We will be dissecting Book 1, Episode 17, The Northern Air Temple, today. In this episode, Aang discovers Earth Kingdom refugees have moved into one of the air temples, something he initially dislikes because one of the civilians, an inventor, has overseen the destruction of most of the original temple in order to make room for new technological devices he has invented. Aang learns that the civilians are outcasts and that the inventor is constantly threatened by the Fire Nation to provide them with new war machines. With help from Team Avatar, they fend off the Fire Nation and save the temple. Aang changes his mind about the initial disapproval he expressed earlier, saying that he is now glad the colonists have made the temple their home. Okay, Aang, that, it's a big 180, and there's a, a lot of in-between, so let's get right into the meat of this episode. Uh, the episode starts off, Team Avatar is sitting around a campfire with a large group of people, listening to a man tell a story. He speaks about a reclusive band of airwalkers who laugh at gravity, and those bound to the earth by it. The man finishes his story and goes around the group asking for tips. Katara and Aang talk briefly about airbenders, while Sokka searches unsuccessfully for money with which to tip the storyteller. They are all under the impression that the story is an ancient tale about airbenders. However, when Aang mentions that the storyteller's source, the great-grandfather of the storyteller, must have heard that tale a hundred years ago, uh, he replies that it was actually just a week before. Aang, Katara, and Sokka are all shocked by the allegation that a living group of airbenders exist. I, guys, I, I was shocked too. <laughs> yeah it's wild um yep. how, i mean dude what, what, what do you what do you think i mean really it's called the last airbender can they add airbenders to the story <laughs> plot twist <laughs> um yeah i was gonna say spoiler alert but they sort of did that with last man on earth so why not hmm, interesting oh yeah true yeah, this isn't the Last Man on Earth podcast. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm just saying there's precedent. There is precedent. I don't care what came out. I don't care what came out first. This is. Right, dude. I just like really was like, blown away. Okay, this is again is a kids show. You know, I we say that with quotes. I, I wish more adult shows were as good as this kids show, uh, because dude, Ang, uh, for all he knows, is the last survivor of a massive genocide. I mean, he has no reason to believe any of his people exist. Mm -hmm. uh, Not anymore. All of a sudden, he's given hope. I mean, he's given hope. What uh, I mean, could you imagine what what that must have felt like? No, I. It, it, it's 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 hard to believe. I I also just love how they're they're opening up with this kind of insight into the culture mm -hmm. of this area and kind of how you know in this time period in this place. This is how information is spread through kind of storytellers like this. And you're thinking it's this legend that's been passed down for generations just based on kind of the vibe you're getting at this campfire and the way the story is being told. So it's all the more shocking. Yeah, when he reveals that it's only a week ago. I remember hearing that thinking, how can, like, 
like you guys were asking is I, I thought the show was called the last airbender. And I was honestly, I was, I was really curious to see what they actually saw and why they would think that. Yeah. But yeah. I was waiting for to see if there was like going to be a twist uh, at all with the characters for sure. Because um, definitely with like the last like airbender, like the stories, like, you know, since he's like a hundred years, it just makes you like think, cause like they're just like introducing new information. Like even like the, the airbender cycle, like, you have to have like, there's like an end of like, you know, airbenders, like it just doesn't like exist. Cause I'm like, oh, cause it, they, it's never like a weird, like full on, I don't think that they ever actually go into like a full on genocide. It's just that they get attacked by the fire nation strikes. And then the, just everyone's just like the avatars and airbenders. So then they seek them out. I'm just like, ah, oh, there's someone who probably was like keeping it on the hush and was just like, now nah, I'm not gonna use my powers. <laughs> uh, thinking back to the Southern air temple where Aang goes looking for Monkey Atso and finds it empty. And that, I guess, left me with the end of, with the genocide vibe. I mean, certainly it was yeah. in that area, but there's no reason to believe we couldn't have other uh, low-key, hush-hush uh, airbenders out there. Uh, Especially after the previous episode. So true. Uh, with the deserter. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I just loved about the episode, um, all right, just like this scene around the campfire, uh, every character's interaction after was like a little joke that was like perfect for them. You got Aang, who's a, uh, I laugh at gravity. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. perfect thing. And then you see Sok- Sokka's always worried about money. Uh, Food. And, uh, I guess Katara didn't have one, but uh, certainly laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> the writers were both super lazy there. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not a Katara episode. <laughs> no. Okay. Well... It's not a Katara intro, but she actually, well, we'll talk about it later, but yeah. Katara actually had some really cool scenes. More on. Katara uh, very, very soon. Uh, as the gang nears the air temple, the northern air temple, that is, the next day, they discover a cluster of people flying around the temple itself. Initially, they appear to be airbenders, but Aang, looking closely, realizes that they are not airbenders, stating that he could tell by the way they moved without spirit. Eager to prove himself to these imposters, Aang takes off on his own glider. Appa becomes swarmed by a mob of airborne children, and Sokka directs the bison to land in the temple courtyard. Aang and the child, seated in his glider, engage in a sort of talent contest. Aang airbends himself across the side of the wall on an air scooter as his glider flies alongside him and the other kid. In response, he uses a canister of smoke on his glider to create an image of Aang's face. Its expression irked in the sky to which the watching crowd enthusiastically applauds. The boy, Tail, lands, reveals himself to be a paraplegic. When Sokka excitedly compliments him on his glider, Tail responds, you think this is good? Wait until you see the other stuff my dad designed. All right, so uh, they make it to the Northern Air Temple and uh, perfect, perfect little intro into the world of the uh, these uh, refugees living in the Northern Air Temple. Yeah. Um, again, though, we're seeing, this is now several episodes in a row where we're seeing Aang's ego get the better of him um, with regards to his responsibilities and, and, and being an airbender. It's just kind of... So true. Weird. Um, yeah, it's it's... It's, it's funny because he is a kid and he is competitive and you could tell even in the flashback when he wasn't able to play um, airball with the other kids because, you know, they were like, well, you're the avatar. That's not fair. 
you could see Aang loves to play and he loves to win. And here even, he, he, he feels it's necessary to prove that even though these people are kind of emulating airbenders, that he has to show that he's better than they are. Absolutely. It's interesting. Uh, I was thinking just, just the emotional, it is like an ego and kind of he's losing his cool thing. Um, but just like the emotional roller coaster of like, whoa, my people are still alive. Yeah. Oh, fuck these guys. Yeah. Yeah. These, oh these fake airbenders. Yeah. Right. That's true. That's, that's a huge oh, letdown. Yeah. Uh, wait. Oh, you're gliding? Oh, good. You, you stole our gliders and made wings. All right. Important. I don't know if that was a spoiler. If it was, maybe. Uh, well, it, not really, but you, you raise a good point, actually, because this, this episode does delve into the misappropriation versus appreciation territory. You know, what, what constitutes as just a vulgar disrespect of a culture versus trying to honor them and, and emulate them. So true. Yeah. Uh, Cultural appropriation of the airbending yeah. nation. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, those gliders are uh, an artifact. They belong in a museum. I mean... <laughs> uh, dude, Indiana I think, Jones yeah. Yeah, dude, right. I think there's... Are there, are there museums in, the, in that? Because it's all like propaganda for like history of the Fire Nation. <laughs> uh, the temples themselves are kind of oh, cool. a museum, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah fair. they would be UNESCO heritage sites. I, not, <laughs> and, uh, certainly rich uh, cultural artifacts of the world. I also, uh, just, just real quick, Bossing Say probably has a museum somewhere. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. For sure. sure, uh, sure. That, I, mean, I mean, that's all propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> no spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Sure. There are no museums outside Bossing <laughs> Say. <laughs> yes. um, anyway, so, man, you know, so they had this, uh, I don't know, glide off, or uh, so to speak, and, uh, yo, like, it was almost like you got served. Like, like, that was the energy there. It was very much, uh, you don't have spirit, you fake airbender. Uh, let, let we me have spirit. Out. Yes, we do. Yeah, right, <laughs> literally. Um, yeah. And then this diss of like the smoke cloud of Aang. I mean, it was really a uh, oh, was... snap kind of moment. <laughs> like, Props to that. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of a cool mic drop. Very skilled. And then, uh, okay, fine. Teo lands and reveals he's a paraplegic. Whoa, I didn't know we had disabilities in this universe. Uh, that was a twist. Yeah, how does Aang feel trying to like one-up this poor handicapped kid? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. avatar and yeah. you're not a paraplegic yeah it's it's, it's, on, it's not it's, it's not 2020 they're like the avatar hates able <laughs> is anti-ableist it's like only only airbenders can do this mm-hmm. <laughs> um no dude it's, it's really um i guess kudos to the show and its creators for uh building a character like this into the universe and also the, uh, the introduction and the reveal. Like on one hand, um, we, we have some kind, there, there is a way of thinking about uh, people in a wheelchair as maybe uh, limited in some ways, but uh, here you see this guy is flying, he's gliding, and he's, go, he's matching the a- avatar in his airbending skills. So uh, really cool character and uh, really cool that his dad can design this technology. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's just really, really cool. Unfortunately, um, he designed some other technology. So, uh, right. Well, let's get into that. 
Uh, here, uh, in the Northern Air Temple, Teo shows the gang into a room. Its walls are decorated by ancient murals, but they are mostly hidden by a triangle of pipes and machinery. Teo explains that the whole operation of the repurposed monastery is his father's idea, and that all the machinery runs on hot air, powering everything in the temple, from the elevators to his own glider. While the progress-oriented Sokka is enthralled by the machines, Aang is not at all excited. He describes the modifications to the temple as unbelievable. Looking at another mural, covered wall, in, uh, intersected by pipes, Aang tells Katara the images represented the history of the Air Nomads. Few aspects of the temple remain untouched. A seemingly derelict fountain in a courtyard, its water green with algae, has been converted into an exhaust vent. The gang and Teo do happen upon a seemingly untouched room, only to have the room's centerpiece statue destroyed before their eyes by Teo's father, the inventor, who is making room for a bathhouse. Aang's infuriated by the inventor's callous destruction of his people's history for the sake of a bathhouse. He hurls the crane over the cliff with airbending. When the inventor reacts quizzically to hearing Aang claim that he knew the temple's original monk, Teo tells him that Aang is the avatar. Okay, guys, wow. Um, you think Aang was mad at the, at, after losing that uh, bend-off? You, you can imagine uh, his feelings now. It's, it's, it's industry versus tradition. It's machine versus horse. <laughs> it's gentrification and tearing down of the neighborhood, dog. That's all yeah. I say. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, dude, it's, it's building that condo on an Indian burial ground. Yeah. So many examples of this, unfortunately. A bathhouse, specifically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, guys, how are you bathing up until this point? What, 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 what is the, uh, I, like, I get that they need a bathhouse, but certainly they've lived up here for a while. There's, uh, there's infrastructure, there's homes, there's, uh, there's a fountain. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of, uh, I, I was with Aang on this journey. Like, like, okay, obviously I think the, uh, the machinery and the use of hot air is extremely impressive. It definitely yeah. is, uh, utilizing the, uh, elements, uh, specifically air to, uh, get things moving. But, uh, I don't know something about this fountain, like, like, it just felt senseless. Like uh... it's, uh, yeah. I mean that that's definitely the vibe they were going for. But it is interesting. This episode does, you know, you talk about how these, you know, how lives have changed throughout the world because of what the Fire Nation has done for the past century. And you hear about you know lives being uprooted and how the Fire Nation has crippled the rest of the world. Here you're seeing it literally. I mean, this is one of the first times I think we've ever met somebody who's who was physically directly impacted by the fire nation, you know, he's a survivor, but he's crippled as a result. And you're seeing the drastic measures. Some of these cultures are having to take just to survive. Um, and that's often the case, you know, progress and evolution happen, not always naturally and organically, but out of an urgent need to. And here's an example of, you know, had, had nature run its course and everything kind of stayed the same, of course things would have been the same. But as a result of, you know, the threat posed by the Fire Nation, progress is kind of forced upon them. And it's, and it's interesting to see it all happening. Yeah. And the way it's happened. Uh, man, these uh, refugees are lucky to have a, uh, 
a wise inventor like Teo's dad on their side because uh, yeah. I, I don't know how they would have made it this far without that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Aang asks the inventor what right he has to deface the temple, and he says his story. When Teo was very young, a flood destroyed his village and killed his wife, leaving Teo injured or an invalid. I don't, man, I'm sorry if that's not the right word. Whenever no, I know. I'm this sorry. In Ten years. The uh, Avatar wiki has some. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> um, sorry. But definitely a man who had to use a wheelchair as a result. <clears throat> Homeless and heartbroken, he searched for a place to begin his life anew and stumbled onto the abandoned temple. It was within the temple that he found images of airbenders on gliders, which inspired him to create his own gliders. This enabled his son to be, in his own words, on equal ground uh, with the others. He tells Aang that he is improving on what already existed in the manner of nature, Aang counters that nature knows where to stop. The inventor acquiesces and rushes off with Sokka to tend to his many duties. Teo tries to console Aang over his loss by showing him the animals which still live within the temple, the descendants of those who lived there in Aang's time, and proceeds to show him the untouched entrance to the air temple sanctuary. Curious, he asks Aang to open it, stating, I've always wondered what it's like in there. To Teo's disappointment, Aang refuses, expressing his desire to preserve the last unadulterated piece of the temple. However, after a short flight in the sky around the temple, in which Katara is able to participate through the use of a glider, Aang changes his mind, agreeing to open the gate while airbending. Okay, wow. Lots going on there. Uh, first off, how about this backstory? I know we were kind of uh, already riffing on it, but... Uh, it it was a flood that destroyed the village. Interesting. I I, I am I was inclined to believe it was the uh, Fire Nation attack. It was. I want to check again because yeah. I think this episode was. And I'm sorry, guys. You know, usually our synopses are paraphrased and, and cut down from the Avatar wiki. And whoever That's did this worried. entry <laughs> did a yeah. very Left sloppy a job. Yeah. Yeah, um, but not they to did. throw other people under the bus, but I'm going to go ahead and throw them under yeah. the bus. Yeah, so so yeah, it was a flood. <laughs> it was a flood that was related to the Fire Nation or something like that. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll get back to you on the flood yeah. uh, thing, but things we do know for sure: Sokka and the inventor really hit it off. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, listen, it, I I I I like this uh, influence on Sokka. Like we already have Sokka mm -hmm. as the out of the box thinker guy. Uh, he's inching his way towards the leader, and uh, and now he's expanding the invention side of his mind. What um, just a great character for uh, him to meet. What um, yeah. What uh, yeah, of course. What about this whole idea of uh, preserving the last unadulterated piece of the uh, sanctuary? Do you think it makes sense? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's good, just in like in terms of like the show itself because it like combines like you know the science like the magic and like you know just like development of technology because again they like praise like all the elements like praise their things and it kind of shows how like earth nation would like use it because for the most part most of the technology we see is from the fire nation they're the ones who are like they're ahead because not only do they have firebenders but they also have tanks technology and whatnot so now you're seeing like the earth nation <laughs> not only uh, using, uh, not only like developing their own technology, but it's in an element that's not their own. So very, I think that's like a true. cool one. 
Yeah. And, and it's also going to serve the fire nation. I mean, it's really a, a crazy mix of all of them. Yeah. Um, I love how this, uh, much like in the Southern Air Temple, it takes a very careful and calculated bit of air bending to unlock this uh, chamber of the temple. And uh, even despite being able to adapt and uh, evolve in some ways the technology of these airbenders, uh, somehow they haven't managed to get this open. I mean, some secrets really uh, are preserved. So it's uh, it, hypothetical. Yeah, hypothetically, sure. As far as we know. That's so um, true. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just want to give a quick shout out to Mae Whitman, mm. um, the voice of Katara and fan favorite. Um, she really did a great job, I thought, this episode. That whole experience of Katara kind of gliding for the first time mm -hmm. um, and really feeling like flying and how she somehow went from like screaming in terror to laughing in, boy, in like the same vocal outburst <laughs> yeah. was really cool followed shortly by choking on a bug <laughs> i know <laughs> just like good job in the in the in the voiceover or in, in the voice actor booth 100 um, um and dude and again what a good um katara is gliding for the first time i mean that, that's yeah a, it's a big first huge huge first for the show uh i mean it's uh I don't know. If you ride Appa all the time, you might be used to being up in the sky, but uh, yeah. could be still. I was very it's, impressed. It would have been a nice, you know, it, it's too bad there was so much else going on because this could have been a good, like, you know, Superman and Lois Lane moment mm. for Aang and Katara. Yeah. Um, but just seeing that joy and then seeing Teo's unbridled spirit and mm. seeing how, you know, obviously after hearing the father's story, Teo's been through a lot. And he's had a really hard life. And he still, you can see, just finds joy in, in all these different pleasures and just makes the most of it and never lets anything limit him. And he's just a pure, loving spirit. And he's very much like Aang. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, you know, he's basically, I've always thought if Aang couldn't, if Aang wasn't a bender, he'd be Teo. Mm. Um, and, you know, he, he's not a bender, but he makes the most of it. And it's really fun to see that. And, it, and you can see that it kind of gives Aang hope that even though maybe the airbenders are no more, their spirit does live on in the enthusiasm mm -hmm. of a lot of these citizens and Absolutely. people like Teo. Um, and that was a big one. Which is cool to see. For sure. Yeah. Um, so while the gang is off air gliding... Uh, Sokka is given a tour of the inner workings of the temple by the inventor who takes the warrior into a dark cavern deep below the foundations of the temple itself, explaining that they cannot use lanterns to light the passage because it's filled with natural gas. He tells Sokka that he inadvertently discovered it while holding a lit torch and nearly killed himself in the process, quipping he thought his eyebrows would never grow back. On occasion, he adds gas leaks from the rock, uh, allowing it to filter upward toward to the temple. His inability to detect the gas leak is a problem, which he has not been able to solve. While helping the inventor with his duties, a short while later, Sokka drops, among other things, a rotten hard-boiled egg. And the task of searching for it following its stench gives the inventor and Sokka an idea at the same time. Placing a number of rotten eggs in the gas-filled cavern will give the gas a smell, making any leak easily detectable. At the moment, a bell rings on his desk in a panic. He hurries out to the room with Sokka in tow. All right, guys. So uh, this bromance is really 
going up another level here. Uh, Sokka and the inventor are finishing each other's sentences here. I love it. Yeah. Sokka. Sokka's just a military genius, man. <laughs> and he's so much fun. He's, you know, these two are like, it's, 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 if you took a mad scientist and made them really well-intentioned and for the most part, not too harmful. Um, I mean, obviously there's more that we're going to discover. I don't want to spoil anything, but just in what we've seen so far, they really do come off like, you know, if Boomy's a mad genius, these two would be mad scientists. And they're just, mm. they're just such, they're, there's such a bond between them. It's really fun to see Sokka engaging like that. Cause again, he's very much the same Sokka, you know, they're, they're hanging, Sokka's hanging with all these benders in this world with all these benders. And he's just making the most of the resources he has in his mind and what he can come up with and what he can innovate. And this guy's taking that to a whole other level. And I've noticed these are all from the Earth Kingdom, all these people. Mm-hmm. But I don't think throughout the entire episode we see a single Earthbender. Yeah, so that's no Earthbenders. A, right. So that's another huge obstacle for these, I guess you could call them nomads, for these refugees mm-hmm. is, is getting by. And, and I think that Sokka really, there's, there's a kinship there. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Because Sokka, no matter what, I think out of like the, out of what each character kind of gives, because like at the beginning of the series, he's like, you know, he doesn't like bending because of like what's happened because of it. But because he doesn't have that ability, what he contributes besides like being a warrior is just being like a smart dude. So like, this is just another character who kind of adds to like Sokka's like ingenuity and how he thinks. Yes expanding the Sokka brain. I, uh, it's oh, yeah. like little by little we get these, uh, like, okay, with uh, the, uh, oh my God, Toph and Aang and Katara, they all find their benders, all right? Uh, or their bending instructors. Whereas Sokka, he just gets little piecemeal things yeah. ultimately make him the, the best leader this group could ask for. Um, and certainly this inventor who's, uh, he invents, even this alarm system he invented goes off and he has to go running to the other group. So uh, the source of the bell happens to be Aang, who's opened the door to the sanctuary. He discovers to his horror that it is not untouched as he thought it was. The room is filled with numerous weapons and tools, among which are self-propelled tanks and a prototype hot air balloon, both of which bear the insignia of the Fire Nation. The inventor arrives quickly and Aang and Teo berate him, outraged that he is creating weapons for the Fire Nation. They demand an explanation, which the inventor reluctantly supplies. Only a year after moving there, the Fire Nation discovered the settlement and was going to destroy it. In order to preserve the lives and fortunes of the people who lived within the temple, the inventor made a deal with the War Minister Chin to spare it. They agreed to a compromise in which the Earth Kingdom villagers could live in the temple, given the inventor's supply, the Fire Nation weapons on a monthly basis. Oh, God, dude. Mr. Inventor building the pipes and gliders here is building hot air balloons for the fire nation. What a twist. Uh, (laughs) Rough. Capitalism in the fire, in the avatar world. It still exists, man. So true. It's a mob shakedown. Yeah. Uh, Except (laughs) extortion. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's not even the mob. It's actually the uh, fascist dictator who's taken over your land, shaking you down. It's, it's, it's a, a mob might be a nice uh, element, but we'll more on the mob when we get to Korra. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's Stark Industries and uh, Ten Rings. Mm. Oh yeah, yep. 
It's ten yeah, rings. The, Is that how many? I don't know. The, the arms yeah. race. The arms race. It's right. real. It's, <laughs> And it's crazy to see it here because this is, you know, this is what an arms race would look like circa, I guess, World War One. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah right. But this kind of like pre-industrial or like at the dawn of the industrial age, kind of, you see these inventions, you know, I, I, on the one hand, it seemed, while a little bit disrespectful because of the damage to the temple, for the most part, it was all innovation for the sake of progress and positivity and you know, benefit. And now you see, you know, it's, it's that is, is innovation a good thing if it falls into the wrong hand? That's the idea of nuclear energy. You know, it's yeah. like, this yeah, is a sure. wonderful achievement as long as we can control it. And as long as it doesn't fall into the wrong hands and lo and behold, uh, it's not only falling, it's literally being handed <laughs> to yeah. the bad guys. Yeah. yeah, you're seeing the development of the first, like, in this universe, like, the Air Force or, like, you know, Air Military. Because, mm -hmm. like, we've already seen the Fire Nation has tanks. We already see they already have uh, boats. So now it's just, like, third elements, like, boom. So My big question here, and, and I wonder if this ever gets explained. So we're led to believe here that the war hot air balloon is still a prototype at this point in the series, right? Yeah. Yep. So nobody even knows about it. It's just in this room. Only the inventor knows. The Southern Air Temple that we first saw, the whole conceit was it was safe from invasion because you could only access it through mm -hmm. airbending. So how in God's name mm. did the Fire Nation reach the <sighs> Southern Air Temple without any way to get there? Did they just have huge ladders? <laughs> like, wow. Oh no! Well, no, they did. They didn't have uh, they didn't have airbenders to defend it because they would have had uh, they'd have to fight the airbenders up there. So and it's been like a hundred years. So before, I guess before that, you know, they were engaged in war. But now because it's earthbend or because it's Earth Nation and none of them are earthbenders, they can't really defend from up. Like even though they have the high ground, they can't really defend that. Yeah. Well, but no. I, how, I mean, uh, how did they literally get there? Yeah. Like, how did they even right. get to that temple in the first place? They didn't have transportation they yeah. don't have air transportation it's well how does war minister chin get to the temple in this episode right now well you can see that they oh, yeah. um this air temple actually it's it's a cliff that you have to climb but it's not a like the southern air temple was on a floating island you know yeah, yeah. Right. um this is not this has a very like long, narrow scary land bridge yeah. but you can theoretically it's it's a trek but you can get there on foot yeah. or climbing so, so uh, I really am wondering. Back to your point, yeah. How can the Fire Nation attack and wipe out the uh, inhabitants of the Southern Air Temple, which is just floating in the sky? Um, well, uh, well, I'll just have to uh, leave that one a mystery because I, I don't know. We uh, have seen some firebenders who are powerful enough to sort of like almost rocket, like man. rocket boost themselves. Yeah. But <laughs> it's true. Um, Stark Industries. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, yeah, dude. All right, I'm just uh, a moment for Ang again, and his emotional roller coaster gets another up and down. Uh, my ancestors exist. Let me go see them. Oh, they're fake ancestors. Um, these holy sites exist. Oh, they're kind of all pipes and swamps and being torn down for bathhouses. Um, you know what? Let's open that secret chamber. The people that wiped out my ancestors are having their weapons built here. Like, yeah. it's insane. Truly. Sorry. 
hard to empathize with the refugees who took over your spot. We're like, oh, you're actually helping the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's like, oh man, just when you think things couldn't get worse, they really, really do. I mean, it's uh, unbelievable. But but I do have sympathy for uh, the inventor. Um, like, dude, you're just trying to keep your village, your people alive. Uh, and uh, listen, Ang, you were gone a hundred years. All right, uh, people had to make some tough choices. If uh, the inventor hadn't gone along with this uh, war minister's plan, uh, I wonder if he would even be alive today, much less uh, any of the other people there. For sure. Yeah. yeah, the real estate was open, man, and then all of a sudden they started getting extorted. Yeah, that's what happened. Squatters' rights. <laughs> Squatter, uh, squatters' rights. <laughs> it's, oh. it, it's kind of akin to the um, scientists who helped the Nazis in World War II. A lot of them were threatened with their families, and yeah, those who true. were able sure. to escape and get to allied countries had no choice but to do horrible things and create horrible things for them. And they did. And this is kind of that. Being yeah, shown. it's a parallel. The yeah. kids show, again. Just a reminder, <laughs> this was a kids show, guys. I know, dude. Props for all the depth. I mean, really, <laughs> it's uh, enough to chat about for hours. Um, mm -hmm. Aang tells the inventor he can't go on. All right, he cannot continue supplying weapons to the Fire Nation. But uh, he sees no other alternative, knowing there will be dire repercussions if he doesn't. Another bell rings on his desk, and the inventor orders Aang and Teo to leave. When they refuse, he acquiesces, telling them instead to hide, which they do. The inventor pulls a rope, and War Minister Chin rises up through the floor of an elevator, demanding the weapons. On the verge of compliance, the inventor is cut off by Aang, who airbends the door shut and announces that the deal is off. When Chin threatens to destroy the temple, Aang slaps him <laughs> in the face with airbending. Enraged, Chin announces that the Avatar will be to blame for the destruction of the temple. As he disappears via the elevator, Aang forcefully slams the trap door shut behind him. A short time later on a bridge in the temple, Aang tells Teo, Sokka, and Katara that while the Fire Nation will be forced to attack from the ground, the people of the temple have the advantage of fighting back from the sky. The, the inventor approaches them apologetically and offers his services. He and Sokka perfect the design of the war balloon. They also explain that they have four types of bombs to use. Smoke, slime, fire, and stink, to which the inventor enthusiastically notes, never underestimate the power of stink. Okay, so <laughs> first there's the encounter with Chin, then there's the uh, plan to action. Um, yo, did this guy really think Aang, who's telling him to shut down production, is gonna sit quietly in the corner and let uh, this arms deal go off? No. Uh, no. Nope. Yeah, um, I get, I mean, he must really be terrified. It's just another uh, reminder of how terrifying and fascistic this Fire Nation uh, <laughs> is. I believe that's the right word. Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, truly, what else could this guy do? I mean, honestly, this guy should have been like, Aang, all right, this chin guy's coming. You need to mess him up when he steps in the door. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they, they, there's another plan of attack here. Get, get, get Sokka with his expanding mind to, to bat around some ideas. Yeah. It's, um, you know, that, that, that's a weird quandary. It's good that he finally apologized and agreed to help them. Um, I love the face smack, by the way, by Aang. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That was really cool. And it's very, one of the first times we've seen him deliberately hurt someone. Yeah, it's a calculated and very direct airbag. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a new flex. I, I don't yeah. think we've seen that before. <laughs> um, and also, it's not really in the write-up, but during Sokka's speech, um, Katara takes a few digs at him. There's something about like sealing hot air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Katara says, if only we could do that. Uh, yes reveals like the trick he used with regards to being able to open and close the 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 lid on a hot air balloon Mm -hmm. and Katara's like wow that's smart I didn't expect that or something like that and you know kudos to Sokka for just letting that go completely ignoring those those jabs and just keep talking our our gang is growing up guys they're becoming mature uh little by little yeah um I just love the intensity of Aang when he's like, the deal is off. He's like slamming <laughs> fist yeah. on the table. Like, I, I like this guy. I, I, I'm happy he's keeping our uh, universe in harmony and not mm-hmm. anyone else. Yeah, I got to uh, interject. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, then Sokka and the inventor kind of make this plan happen. And uh, it's very clearly going to involve the perfected design of the air balloons and these uh different bombs all right don't don't underestimate stinky guys uh, foreshadowing hmm. yeah uh moving on here the fire nation forces arrive what a surprise soldiers they were like right there guys i mean they got up that mountain in yeah. like two minutes I, it was a pretty night good good hiking boots they give out in that yeah. uh, fire nation military uh, the Fire Nation forces arrive. Soldiers march along the narrow mountain path leading upward, accompanied by grappling tanks designed to climb the steep cliffs below the temple. Maybe that could have... Oh, no. It wouldn't solve the Southern Air Temple. Okay. No. The assembled forces in the temple take flight against the advancing hordes, and Aang accompanies them. Aang flips the tanks over repeatedly with airbending, but the cockpits of the flip tanks right themselves, and he finds himself unable to beat them. Teo states that the tanks have a water balancing system, which inspires Katara to use waterbending to fight them. She's able to disable a few tanks, but the number of tanks proves to be overwhelming. Appa suddenly arrives, knocking all the tanks away and retrieving Aang and Katara from the battlefield. As the villagers run out of explosives, the war balloon absent during the opening part of the battle appears in the sky with the inventor and Sokka at its helm. Seeing the Fire Nation emblem emblazoned on the balloon, the Fire Nation does not attack it, and Sokka uses the tactic to drop several slime bombs on the unaware army below. However, the aerial bombing does not stop the advance of the army. All right, guys, we uh, the uh, enemy is at the gate. Yeah, I I I'm reading this and, and and watching the episode and thinking to myself, again with the Iron Man comparisons, but you have this technology and you have this ability, and at no point did you think. You know, they're coming to me for these weapons. Can't I build something to fend them off in the interim while I'm mm-hmm. waiting for them to come collect? And also you get the, uh, not Iron Man, but, um, mm, uh, oh, oh, Rogue One, you know, mm-hmm. where, where you're tasked to build this super weapon for the enemy and you decide, yeah. you know what, I'm going to beat them from within and create some, you know, like, kill shot area to completely yeah. stabilize them like why couldn't he have incorporated a fail safe and let his people know you know if they try to turn and use this on us we will render them immobile because i know xyz it's just that was always a little weird to me mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good I, tactic and everything <laughs> so for sure 
I like how um, we get a sense of the technology that the Fire Nation has. These tanks, you can airbend them over, but they just like flip back up and can even climb up castle walls. It's a uh, well, it's his technology. That's yeah. what Tate said. Yeah. His dad built it. That's why he knows about the water balancing things. Mm, gotcha. yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good one about having, like, how you could see this guy becoming, like, the big ally in the whole thing because he's designed the weapon. So there's, like, a specific plot hole in every kind of, like, technology that they have. Absolutely. Yeah, and thank God we had a waterbender, Katara, to uh, fight them off and disable those tanks. Uh, how about Appa? Beast mode, Appa, arriving oh, on the yeah. battlefield, just like swiping four tanks away. Uh, I didn't really have a good perspective of Appa. I really needed to see him next to a tank. To uh, oh, yeah. he, he looked a lot bigger than maybe I had a mental image of. Yeah. <laughs> yip, yip. Um, but like, seriously, I, uh, we've seen Appa uh, in one battle before this. I'm, I'm blanking on the name or incident. But uh, okay, here he's like battle tested. Here he's knocking over yeah. tanks that uh, could climb mountains. It's uh, that even an airbending avatar couldn't flip over, and uh, they would keep coming back. Unbelievable! It's these these tanks are really really badass. I will mm-hmm. say that. I mean, I feel like these tanks would be able to hang in most wars with most with, with most any other tank. That simple flipping technology is crazy. Yeah, cool. right. That's pretty cool. Um, what was pretty cool is that they had the Fire Nation emblem on these balloons, because guys, that was a key, key factor in making this uh, battle a victory. Uh-huh. Definitely. But the uh, battle is not done quite yet. Uh, as the balloon flies near a large chasm a short distance away from the temple, Sokka and the inventors smell the pungent odor of the rotten eggs used to detect natural gas leaks. Realizing the damage a gas explosion could do to the tanks below and seeing that the balloon is out of bombs, Sokka detaches and throws the balloon's hot air engine into the crack. The explosion of the engine ignites the gas and the resulting explosion decimates the invaders. While Sokka and the inventor are rescued by Aang, deprived of power, the derelict balloon descends into the forest below. Okay, uh, this bromance is about to reach its peak between the inventor and... Uh, Sokka. Uh, and also, to, to your point of Rogue One, like, yeah, it was very much the uh, end of episode four with that. Uh, just drop it right here. Uh, well, mm-hmm. we, we've seen that elsewhere, but I definitely got the vibe right there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that, like, this is going to win the battle, but will it, will it be worse down the road? And we'll find out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like it. I, I do, look, I, I understand, don't underestimate the power of stink. Um, my fiance can attest to that. Um, <laughs> but what did they really expect to do with those? Like even those giant bombs only, st- like that, they, they stopped like what, three tanks and a couple soldiers? Yeah. Like did they really expect, if, if not for Sokka's thinking there, that really didn't do anything at all. <laughs> that, that giant air balloon did nothing but sort of slow them down about as much as Appa did or anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Luckily, true. they thought on their feet at the end there. Yeah, um, that was using the, that was definitely using the gas leak as like the environmental like kill shot or something like right. that. Like, that's it. Like, just causing the avalanche on the uh, Fire Nation. Definitely. Um, what was I going to say? The, um, 
yeah, these bombs weren't that effective. I, it was like dropping molasses or honey. It's like, all right, it's a little sticky now. Gonna yeah. have to, but once you step out of the puddle, it was just puddles, really. That's all it was, slime puddles. Nothing that would really stop uh, a firebending army. And uh, yeah, glad they had no. that engine on board. I'm, I'm, I'm also wondering, did, you know, all these pipes and stuff intersecting the temple... It, it seemed as though they were kind of already on their way to doing that. Um, they were already doing that on uh, the walls before the Fire Nation first discovered the settlement. And I'm wondering how they got steel up there mm. to build all that. You know, it's not like they were a bunch of steel workers who brought their extra hmm. you know, scrap metal with them. Um, but there's a lot of supplies and tools up there. I'm just wondering how they. You know, obviously, once he made the deal with the Fire Nation, you'd assume that they'd be providing equipment and materials for him to make this stuff with. But until then, I, th there's a lot of questions about these airbending temples and a lot of this background here that is still very much unanswered that I've always wondered. No, it's so true. Um, I mean, guys, they, they used to have this uh, Sky Bison polo tournament up there. It's really. Oh, uh, my God. I want to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, that, man, Appa would kill that. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, man, luckily it wasn't uh, – well, it certainly wasn't game day this time around. Uh, after, no. after the victory, Aang tells Tail that he's no longer upset by the changes made to the Air Temple. Instead, he feels happy that they've made the temple their own and asks them to continue protecting it. In the forest, Jin and his soldiers find the war balloon, damaged but mostly intact. As his soldiers attempt to inflate the balloon – Jin mother mutters, this defeat is the gateway to many victories. Nice. That's a good, good ending. Uh, I like that. <laughs> dude, flawless. Um, really. Because, uh, okay, you got to wrap up this whole uh, cultural appropriation thing they got going on. And obviously, yep. um, but no, the story is moved forward beyond that. The greater story uh, by allowing this technology to get into the wrong hands. Uh, yeah, just expertly, expertly done there. Yeah, and in an attempt to sever ties with their obligation to the Fire Nation and stop building them weapons, they wind up giving them the greatest weapon they could ever they they ever could have, mm -hmm. which is tragic. But yeah, they have the designs. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no, dude. I'm uh, I'm worried. Yeah. Um. And that ends our episode, guys. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Closing remarks. Anything we missed? Anything you want to mention? Uh, let's go to you first, Jeff. Um, you know, I guess sort of you might want to call this the last filler of the season. Hmm. Um, you know, you do learn some things. You learn a little bit more background. You've already kind of, I mean, we always understood that the Fire Nation had its hands in everything because they've been running the world for about 100 years now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's great to see other aspects of the earth kingdom residents you know it's such a sprawling area and there's so many different unique traits to all, all different corners of it um that being said i'm excited that after this episode we're finally going to get to know the northern water tribe yes we're, we're, we're in the north uh, <laughs> if if you were to look at a map it is the northernmost point on uh, earth territory here uh we're getting up there and uh, lots of good things are going to happen up north uh marcus closing thoughts final uh feelings what uh anything we might have missed 
Uh, no, that's pretty much it, man. Like this one was like, this one just like shows like a lot of like fun elements. Like you get to see, you get to see Aang kind of like, you know, come to like, you know, the acceptance. Cause I think that there's, there's only the two, there's only the two air temples, right? The Northern, or no, there, there's four. There's North, yeah. East, Southwest. But yeah, this is like the big one where he was like, oh, I'm excited. But it's just like that. It's like the final nail of the last one was unoccupied. Here's some new people. You know, it kind of inspires him to be like, okay, I'm going to let them go because, you know, I also left everyone. So at least there's like hope for this area. But then again, like you get to see like all the character development for Sokka. You mm -hmm. get to see, you get to see all this technology. And then now you, yeah, you go through that whole like emotional thing about like how far with technology the Fire Nation was currently and currently now has more power to. So it really sets up like while Aang needs to learn all the airbending, now you have all these like things that the enemy has, so. It's true, very, very true. Um, I mean, aside from this up and down, up and down of Aang's emotions, I really, really liked um, just like learning the customs of these ancient people, like, like, like that they did host a Sky Bison Polo tournament. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, just learning about that and how uh, these uh, refugees were able to make it their home uh, it was really, really nice. I'm glad Aang got, uh, he found his calm at the end there. And then I really liked that uh, metaphor at the end that uh, the inhabitants are like a hermit crab. It's, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, that, that was really poetic and a nice way to wrap it up. Um, just the, the similarities are perfect. They, uh, you know, at some point uh, had to find a place to live and uh, they just, nature evolves you know na nature finds a way rather and uh, <laughs> jurassic park <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but that's that's for another episode i mean I, yeah it's 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 the inevitability of you know migration and cultural mm -hmm. integration definitely um it's it's a huge thing actually re-watching this episode that doesn't really get touched on that much more until obviously the legend of korra Mm -hmm. But here you're kind of seeing those seeds be planted of, you know, for a long time, while they all respected each other before the war started, everything was very much like the four nations lived in harmony, but they lived as Separately, four yeah. nations. <laughs> and true. here you're really seeing a bunch of Earth refugees making their home in an air temple. And it's just kind of the beginning of, you know what, we don't have to only relegate ourselves to our mm. culture. We can integrate with others and we can kind of spread out and and become one world with a bunch of different people in it yeah Absolutely. that's definitely how you can see the elements um also like with science because again like the fire nation can control air but if they can make hot air so that's like the big yeah. twist big <laughs> yeah. twist and um that point. wow yeah thing. yeah hmm. um lots to think about lots to discuss and uh Thank you guys for tuning in. That wraps up another episode of Boys in the Iceberg. Please like, follow, subscribe, all the internet things. Get up in it in the comments. We'll get back to you. Um, Marcus, let the people know where they can find you or follow you online. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, everything like that, at Marcus Cardona. You can also go to my website, www.marcuscardona.com. Easy to remember. Nice and sweet. Um, and that ends another episode. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, good night. Flamio, Hotman. <laughs>